where they're worried that you're going to make us, we're going to show up, we're going to have a schedule, you are going to teach us about PTSD, addiction, substance abuse, put us in a circle with clinicians and or chaplains and peer support that we don't know, and you're going to tell us to hold hands and share our feelings. (laughs) That'll go over great. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the perception of like when you mention a retreat. Welcome to the Hey Chaplain Podcast. My name is Jared Altick, and I'm a chaplain with the police department. This podcast exists so that cops can hear encouragement from other cops. You might not talk directly to a police chaplain, but I'm hoping that at 4.30 in the morning as the night shift is slowing down, you might listen to a chaplain talk to other cops about being a wiser, healthier person. So I'm going to define a retreat as a combination of a vacation, a seminar, professional conference, and a counseling session. But most cops I know are very reluctant to go to one. In fact, they avoid it like the plague. So I want to encourage you to attend these events, but I also want to figure out how we can make these events more effective at helping first responders and veterans. And to that end, we're going to be talking to my friend from California, Matt Damiancic, because the retreats he's involved in have been very well received and very successful. Here's Matt Damiancic. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Jared. Great to hear from you again. Always look forward to our talks. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk to you. I I love chatting with you. Uh, You're always really passionate about taking care of cops. And that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so I like that. Uh, so let me just ask you straight up what we're going to talk about today. It's a very simple topic. Let me just ask you for your diagnosis. What is wrong with retreats? All right. So for most of my adult life, I've gone on a variety of retreats. They can be Catholic, Christian, Buddhist, yoga, men's retreats. And there's so few police retreats. And there's really only two kinds of police retreats, and there's not even enough of these, but they are only for either if you have PTSD and addiction or suicidal ideation or a combination of all three, like a last-ditch effort. A lot of them are a five-day retreat. They have great intentions, and they do save people's lives, but it's like waiting until it's a worst-case scenario. You've failed at everything else, and let's go do yoga, meditate, nature walks, outdoor activities, speak to a therapist, sit in a small group, and everybody is supposed to get vulnerable and share their feelings and normalize like, hey, cops, firefighter, veterans, we've all seen terrible things and we've held it inside, right? Great intentions, it saves some people's lives, but look at the statistics for how hard it is to recover from alcoholism, a drug addiction, when things are really bad with PTSD or suicidal ideation. So those retreats can be wonderful, but they're for a narrow band of police officers and even a lot of police officers that are struggling with substance abuse and PTSD and suicide, they don't want to admit it. So even if they need to go, it's hard to get them to admit going. And then any other cop hears about retreat and they assume, oh my God, the retreats are only for the people that are doing horrible. The most broken. The most... The yeah. almost almost irretrievable, you know, unfixable, you know, worst case scenario. That's what the perception is, because yeah. you know those same retreats and different orientations of psychology. We're not supposed to say we're ever broken or they're ever broken. Whatever you want to label it, 
I say it's like you're 300 pounds, you're completely out of shape, you're drinking a six-pack to go to bed, you're having energy drinks and coffee all day long, you're chewing two, two tins of skull every day for energy, and you're hooked on junk food, and we say, here's a nutrition plan to follow, here's a workout plan to follow. How hard is it to get back in shape versus like a, an athlete stays in shape year-round, even yeah. maintains a bit of fitness first, waiting until you're totally out of shape, getting back in shape. So that's one kind of retreat. And there's not enough of them, and there's a long waiting list. Mm -hmm. Then there are a small number of religious retreats for cops, right. and very often they're geared at only evangelicals. Right. And we got to understand there's 30,000-plus 30, Christian denominations that all have different language, doctrine, theology, and every time a church disagrees with another church, we have another group. So those are often just for people that are evangelical and people that already have a faith life and they're looking perhaps to renew their faith because oftentimes they're hurting too. And they're like, you know what? I want to reconnect with my faith and I get to go do it with a bunch of cops or cops, firefighters, and veterans. And that's great. If you're somebody that's looking to reconnect with your faith and but there's fewer and fewer people in law enforcement the the percentage of people who grew up in that those kinds of churches is never has never been smaller and so there's not as many cops who come from that exactly yeah. and are and are we only going to offer help to people that are of one religious tradition and one genre of that religious tradition yeah right. i mean it's such a right. narrow band and to be honest a lot of the cops that already have a faith life, whatever it is, they're the least that I'm worried about. They have a much broader network of support if you have a cop, even if a cop's really having trouble. But if he's going to church regularly, and if he knows people who can help and speak truth into his life, he's got better resources already than, than, than average. Yeah, yeah. But then we have, and just my experience, I don't know yours, how many police officers were raised and police you know, firefighters, veterans raised in a Christian tradition. And then you go see things that those childhood religious rules, like say your prayers, ties, show up to church, go to a Bible study, you know, do an altar call, recommit your life to Christ. And these things shouldn't bother you. Or that's what other Christians tell you. And there's things that you're wrestling with, as well as seeing people, quite honestly, that are hypocritical. Let's let's break this down. Uh, okay, I think you've I think you've got a really good point because I want I, I I'm someone who has has been involved in these kinds of retreats. Uh, both you know certainly the religious end that's my my most of my experience. But you know I'm the conservative evangelical type church pastor. Mm -hmm. You're the the California hippie, uh, <laughs> right? No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we are not trying to overly criticize these retreats, we're just trying to find an answer for cops who are falling apart, mm -hmm. uh, cops who, who really need help, but we have set up obstacles inadvertently, uh, unintentionally, to prevent them from asking for help or, or easily accessing that help. So, so let's talk first about the stigma. So, so you were talking a minute ago about, you know, most of these retreats are kind of for people who are, who are just hanging by a thread. People who, you know, admin has told them you will go to this retreat or you're fired. Mm -hmm. What, what's, what does that do when the retreat gets that kind of stigma that that's only for the people who are in the worst case scenario? Well, then when you do, so I've done 
pre-COVID, some retreats on Orca Island with some colleagues that were proactive for peer support types. And then now the last three years, I've been doing these outdoor activity retreats. But any of these things, when you tell a cop like you're offering a retreat, especially all expenses paid, they're like either two things. One, I'm not there yet, like where I'm totally messed up and I need it. Or two, I don't want to, it kind of sounds like I might be okay, but I don't want to take a slot from somebody that's really hurting and needs it bad when it's like, Every cop in America, every first responder in America, even before the pandemic, were not giving, quote, psychological or spiritual formation and experiences on how do you process, digest, and continue the post-traumatic growth through the adversity, the suffering, the toxicity that you're dealing with every day. Um, So any type of retreat is stigmatized as it's either going to be too religious, and I don't want that, or it's going to be... Uh, for people that are really hurting really bad and I'm not there yet. Or there's other, quote, peer support ones where they're worried that you're going to make us, we're going to show up, we're going to have a schedule, you are going to teach us about PTSD, addiction, substance abuse, put us in a circle with clinicians and or chaplains and peer support that we don't know, and you're going to tell us to hold hands and share our feelings. <laughs> that, that that's over great. <laughs> yeah, so that's the perception of like when you mention a retreat and i i tell mine hey guys no agenda we're going to shoot a lot of guns you're going to go fishing you're going to ride atvs this year we did horseback riding we're just going to hang out in nature i want you to sleep in do what you want and you you can do as little or as, as much as you want of all these things nothing's mandatory they're covering all the expenses and we're just going to relax in nature and they're like what's the catch You're going to try to baptize us. You're going to try to make us hug and share our feelings. You know, they, they think there's a catch when it's like, no, instead of having the traditional psychoeducation or religious education, which is a lot of intellectual stuff in your head, wake up, have breakfast at this time. Then the guys don't get out of work mode. If I, if, if you give them a set schedule, they're still treating it like work. They're getting up. And then it's teach them about the negative things that could happen to them, not how to, how do you keep living a good life and a balanced life and not letting them experience it. Like we learn more from experiences than we do lectures and PowerPoints. So if we dived into like the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic nervous system, cops are hypervigilant, always running on adrenaline. Do they know what it's like to sleep in, to unplug, to calm down, to rest, relax and digest? Most of us don't, even in our current society, because yeah. we're yeah. hooked on social media, internet, podcasts, even like we're, we're constantly stimulating ourselves. So the whole goal even of- when we're doing something healthy, yes. we do it at 100 mile an hour and yes. we're multitasking and we're doing it on four hours of sleep. And yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, we're terrible taking care of ourselves. That's for sure. And so you're subverting their expectations on two ends then. On the one hand, they're thinking, okay, this is going to be a lot of sharing my feelings and going way past what I'm comfortable with as far as being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But they also, they go out to a retreat and they're thinking, well, wait a second, Matt, can't we go get, can't we make a beer run? Uh, mm-hmm. What's the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. password? Uh, mm-hmm. What's the schedule? And, and you're not letting them do any of that. And so, <laughs> and so, and so th- th- there's your, tell me again what you're accomplishing by subverting those expectations. So it's not even like 
completely intentional. So it's Peterson Outdoor Ministries. It is a ministry that's dedicated their efforts for over a decade to taking disabled veterans hunting and fishing. And they do evangelical things that are wonderful and beautiful for those veterans. This is a totally different retreat, but because it's at a ministry, there is no alcohol, you know? And so every year, you know, and sometimes people are on the plane or at the airport chugging beers and joking like, hey, man, can we grab some beer once we land before we get there? Where are we going to go out at night? I'm like, guys, we're two hours from the Kansas City or Springfield airport. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's not going to be any girls to flirt with or chase. And I'm sorry, but, you know, you know, they don't want beer there. I don't talk to them about, hey, beer is like the number one self-medication for first responders and veterans. And there's a whole lot of science. Listen to Andrew Uberman's two-hour podcast on alcohol. He does a great job. It kills your deep sleep. It disrupts your hormones. It lowers your testosterone. It's a depressant. Messes with your blood sugar and inflammation. Alcohol is horrible, right? But we're not going to lecture them on it. And it just happens to be at a ministry that's covering the bills that at the end, they end up loving all these people because they really are just amazing, down-to-earth, patriotic people from Missouri that love cops, firefighters, and veterans. And at the end, you know, every time we get there, the first day, somebody is seriously saying like, hey, can we get beer? Where's the girls? And then they get there and they ask the owner, like, what's Wi-Fi? It's like, we don't have Wi-Fi. So you, <laughs> you barely have a signal that if you stand in certain areas, you can call home, but you right, really can't right. surf the internet or social media. And at first, you know, it's like, there's almost this like, well, what are we going to do? Because how do we relax? We keep ourselves busy and distracted and we grab a couple beers. And it's like, you have everything here to keep you busy. You can go shoot all kinds of guns, ride ATVs, fish, kayak. We can go work out. They've taken us to a rodeo. They've taken us horseback riding. We learn how to rope. We do all kinds of fun things. And at the end of every retreat, the people go, like, we're going to tell people at our department that it sucked. So nobody wants to go next year and we can come back. They look like little kids and they stay up late talking. And by the end of the retreat, just everybody organically, whether it's with me, a volunteer, or another cop, it is a safe environment. Their inner child has come out. They're laughing. They're playing. They're relaxed. They're eating good food. They're hanging out with amazing volunteers that are being good listeners and not giving them advice, not giving them psychoeducation, and not giving them any type of evangelical preaching or no, no agenda. They're getting, if it's from a religious perspective, they're getting the experience of God's love through these amazing volunteers doing all these things for them. But it's not heavy-handed. Nothing is heavy-handed. It's just hang out. That's so hard for us to pull back from because whether you're coming at it from like a clinical you know, psychologist sort of, of point of view, and you want to teach them about, you know, about how their mind works and how the body works and what's going on with their hormones and everything else. You, you can't hardly help yourself but to want to just open up the fire hose and flood them with all that information. Yeah. And if you're coming at it, like from my point of view, from evangelical point of view, man, I want them to know these spiritual truths and I'm desperate to pronounce that and to give mm-hmm. that to them. And I, and I so, so eagerly want to do that. But the mistake that I make is that uh, sometimes I'm not considering if they're a red light, a yellow light, or a green light. If something's mm-hmm. a green light and they're asking for, you know, they have ears to hear would be the biblical way to say it, but they, but they, they want spiritual truth, boy, I would say go for it. 
Mm-hmm. But you got to understand that a lot of these cops are not coming from much religious background, and and that number is getting lower and lower every year. And a lot of them, they're not ready yet. And so they're not, again, another biblical metaphor, they're not the type of soil which is going to receive this good news and be ready for it yet. And mm-hmm. so, so some of what we have to do is not have this heavy-handed sales tactic you know, I think I think a lot of us evangelicals were like, "Hey, we've got a we've got a captive audience. We need to always be closing," and, mm-hmm. and we're so eager for that, which is not bad. It just it's a question of is this the appropriate way? Maybe right now with this group or with the majority of this group, I need to be more gentle, and I'm going to show them love. I'm going to show them um, my compassion. I'm going to show them my genuine interest in them. Mm-hmm without asking for anything transactional. I'm not going to ask them for a decision right now. I'm not going to ask them for commitments. I'm, I'm just going to demonstrate my spirituality or my concern. Different people who run these retreats, I, like I said, I'm guilty of it too. Mm-hmm. They, they come at it from from very well-intentioned places, but they, but they maybe come on a little too strong. One of my favorite quotes has always been, Preach the gospel at all times. When absolutely necessary, use words. The high-functioning people that aren't there yet are completely suspicious of religion, yeah. Yeah. of clinical psychology, and of anything else. If somebody's you know, trying to pigeonhole them into, you need this to feel better or grow. So, The quote that you gave a moment ago is from Francis of Assisi. You yeah, know, they attribute to him. He may yeah. not have actually said it, right? But, yeah. but that's who it, that's who it's attributed to. Yeah. And I tell you what, I always chafed against that somewhat as a pastor in a church because I thought, no, I'm going to go ahead and use my words all the time. Uh-huh, <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm called to teach and preach and do that kind of stuff. But I tell you, becoming a police chaplain has opened my eyes to the value of a ministry of presence mm-hmm. where I am just going to come alongside and I'm not my role as a chaplain is not to evangelize or to rebuke. That could factor in at some mm-hmm. point, but most of the time it's to be present. And I thought, man, that is going to be so ineffective, and it's going to be so unsatisfying for me and my faith and for what I value in my faith. I, I, I just don't know if this is going to work until I started doing it. And I realized mm-hmm. that I'm taking, and for me, of course, my my goal is, I mean, my purpose, my motivation is to take Jesus Christ to people. That That is happening without me being very overt or forceful at all. I am mm-hmm. just present, and people are coming to me as long as I genuinely love them. And so I would encourage you, whether you're trying to teach some particular psychological angle or whether you're trying to preach a evangelical message to to trust to trust the process of loving somebody and letting them receive that love mm-hmm. and then they'll come to you with questions mm-hmm. and then that changes them from a red light to maybe a yellow light and mm-hmm. they might ask more questions and if that goes well then they can become a green light and you can teach them what you want to teach them or share with them what you want to share with them and it was hard for me to get there. That was really difficult yeah. for me to arrive at that place where I thought that was going to be okay to not constantly be preaching. But mm-hmm. there's lots of folks like you who are doing retreats that are not heavy-handed, and there are options for first responders to go find these kinds of retreats. 
Mm-hmm. So, so tell me what you have planned, you know, in the future. You, do you intend to keep doing these trips to Missouri or? Yeah. So Peterson Outdoor every year covers at least one and they would do more if I could simply cover the plane tickets. So fundraising has been my Achilles heel. I'm in a wealthy area of Los Angeles where they're, you know, and the, even the, the nonprofits will tell you wealthy people aren't the ones that donate to these types of things. Uh, I'm a great, I'm in a wealthy area. Yeah. Or people are kind of wealthy or poor just getting by in L.A. It's not like there's a middle class. There's a yeah. lot of vocal people that do not like police officers. And even the people that tell me they support cops still. They don't put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. And they, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So far, I haven't had luck. They tell me to charge the cops for my services. And that's like completely missing the point. But I'm going to make an effort this year to fundraise because I want to put more of these on. Uh, and Peterson Outdoors would even do even some hunting trips. So I would like to have more regular retreats, both in Missouri. There's a place in Wisconsin I'm talking to that wants to do them. They actually, they got in touch with me through you somehow. Yeah. And yeah. there's, yeah. And there's people and people that would let me use their big Airbnb houses in Lake Arrowhead. That's a couple hours from LA. So if I could get money even to, to get the food and maybe rent Jeeps or ATVs and have some outdoor activities, I want to have more of these experiential outdoor retreats, and there's a ton of a ton of research behind outdoor activities and being in nature, yeah. calming down your parasympathetic nervous system, improving your blood pressure, lowering your cortisol, improving your heart rate variability, and organically, people talk to me about fitness, nutrition, psychological growth, spiritual growth, and it, and it's an opportunity too to let them know that it's not about what I believe. They want to be heard, seen, understood, and not judged. And right now, cops feel so judged by everybody. They often feel judged by mental health professionals as well. I don't know how many cops I've had that go to a therapy session and feel like they were judged or not understood, or people start crying when they hear their story, or they kind of get the impression that people might be anti-cop. So like, we need to give people the experience of actually relaxing and unplugging without the alcohol and all the stimulation and all the adrenaline. Let the inner child come out. And organically, each and every one of those people on that retreat shared their story or whatever might be bothering them with one of the fishing guides, with me or with Tron, the owner. And afterwards, people keep in touch. And it's just such a remarkable experience for them to experience, like, I mean, these are the hippie terms, but peace, love, joy of an inner child flying around on an ATV. Oh, the hippies. The hippies stole it from the Christians. <laughs> and so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, I've always told people, because like I said, I've done retreats and stuff in the past. I'm like, hey, a marriage retreat is not just for people who are about to get divorced. If you're wise, you would do a marriage retreat long before you have any kind of problems mm-hmm. you know, that are bubbling to the surface. The, the healthiest couples go to retreats when there's not a problem. And same thing with with parenting classes. You, you don't wait until you have a teenager that's in crisis to go to a parenting class. You, you need mm-hmm. to go to these parenting mm-hmm. classes before there's a problem. You want to dig the well before you're thirsty. And so, yes. and so, please, please, if you're listening to this, please consider doing one of these outdoor retreats. Uh, not all of them are heavy handed or going to beat you down with psychology or 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 the Bible or whatever else. Uh, a lot of them are people who really care and they really love you and they really want you to be healthier. And honestly, if I could just add this in, afterwards, after these retreats, a number of these people do 
start re-engaging whatever their faith life is because it wasn't pushed on them. Yes. A lot yeah. of people end up saying, oh my God, I want to start journaling or I want to start working out more. I'm, I'm, I'm going to clean up my diet yeah. or I'm going to take my, my wife out on some date nights and do some things with the kids because I realize I've been working way too much overtime. Yeah. You know, some guys bring their computers thinking they're going to do work <laughs> and then they really can't. And then they see how good it is to unplug from it. Yeah. So yeah. You, we really do. We, we talk to cops all the time about avoids, booze, broads, and I forget what the phrases are in the police academies, but nobody really role models it. And we never as agencies give them the opportunity other than let's give training on PTSD, addiction, and suicide. And, you know, let's do the proactive, giving people swimming lessons and experiences where, they 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 feel what just experiential learning is better than PowerPoint and lectures. Yeah. I guess that's the bottom line. Yeah. And spending time in nature and doing outdoor activities and having great community with other first responders where it's not about the booze and the flirting and the macho stories. Yeah. People just naturally open up and talk about the more important things in their lives. And it might be day three, four or five. Well, Matt, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, like I said, I hope that people can can find you online and find others that are doing this kind of work. And even those that maybe have had other models that were maybe based more on you know how they learned in college or what they learned in church, maybe they can kind of adapt and have a little bit more tuned in approach to what first responders need and how they'll likely respond. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can help move the needle on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jared. Always a pleasure.